0: Charlie
1: told me so yep, see If you wanna change your world I hope you're gonna
2: The All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm a bold, liberating rock shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian
0: Jones and Jason Johannes.
3: Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and you can go there to uh, find your most preferred genre of music. Plenty of podcasts on there in all sorts of different styles, and also the home of the Metallica podcast that we uh, mentioned with our previous guest having a Metallica shirt on. Um, so yeah, and what's up, Jason?
2: I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Um, I think this comes out here pretty soon. But on you just saw Black uh, Blackstone Cherry, I'm going to see Brother Kane oh. um, with our buddy Tony Higby on. Uh, Friday, November 10th. And then Saturday, I'm flying to Florida to visit my family and my dad for his birthday. And then we're going to see Blackberry Smoke in St. Petersburg, Florida. So two days in a row, Brian, I get to see Friends of the Podcast. That's
3: awesome, man. That's totally awesome. Brother Kane and then Blackberry Smoke the next night. Man.
2: It's he- heaven.
3: It'd be heaven if like, you know, at some point, Brother Kane opened a show and Damon and Tony come out on the encore with BlackBerry Smoke.
2: That would that would be incredible. What song would they play? I wonder.
3: Who I knows? I don't know. It could be anything. I mean, those guys can
2: play anything. So probably a Skinner song or something. I would that's think that's what right?
3: I was thinking. That'd probably be a pretty good
2: chance. That would be the probably the best bet for all of them. And right in their wheelhouse, we know the smoke boys do Skinner and uh Damon's in Skinner and Higby can do about anything.
3: Yeah. You know, and they, they, uh, Blackberry Smoke plays, um, you know, uh, uh, working for MCA. And then they always kind of tease Mississippi Kid. Maybe they could, they could, you know, play that out, you know. Of course, we have yeah. no say in the set list, right? It's not like Charlie's gonna be like, all right, man, Mississippi Kid, you got it. We're doing it.
2: <laughs> I am, I am going to message Charlie Saturday morning and just let him know we're coming because I do have a podcast shirt to give him. Mm-hmm. And uh, see if I can't get connected and hand it over to him, yeah. And that- Brian, maybe as a, 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 our guest today, too, he might be there,
3: you know. And I would think, I that was funny, you know, you would think he uh would already be already being, you know, getting invited to come up for the on the whatever before the encore, wouldn't he? I mean, like, it's like, dude, don't you aren't you already hooked up? <laughs>
2: Well, as you'll find out, he he wasn't aware Blackberry Smoke was playing until yeah. we told him. So we'll see what happens. Hey, you play the bass. Who are some people that influenced you to pick up that instrument?
3: You know, I, I, I think about this from time to time, and I don't particularly have a favorite bass player. I do know that with Duff McKagan, like, he plays the bass like a guitar. Like, I, he, like, plays the bass like a guitar. And I think he's pretty unique, Um <laughs> um was i said oh well you know uh ben from them dirty roses i i dig listening to him and i try to play along with some of that stuff um yeah it's one name i can think of you know about maybe, tom
2: hamilton from aerosmith that guy's kind of underrated isn't he
3: yeah i think so you know i've that i guess i've never sat down and tried to learn sweet emotion or anything like that i mean he he's Probably up there, up there on the list. Um Johnny Colt.
2: There you go. Great one.
3: Brian Wheat from Tesla. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I should have a favorite bass player, but it's the one thing I always think of is that with Duff playing the bass like a guitar.
2: Yep. Pure punk rock.
3: <laughs> For sure. How about you and guitar players?
2: Um Man, I'll tell you what, there's there's a lot of people that certainly influenced me, but two of my favorites uh, before I was even learning guitar kind of made me want to learn guitar is Jimmy Page. I mean, obviously, I think anybody who plays electric guitar is inspired by him. And also Frank Cannon from Tesla because I really like the commonalities about both guys. They both inspired a, a lot of blues in their playing. They both would do the acoustic stuff and then go on and rock out on the electric guitar and just memorable licks man there's so many memorable licks from both of those guys uh that it just really inspired me to pick up the play guitar so when we got an opportunity to talk to our guest on this episode I was really excited because it's one of those two guys Brian
3: <laughs> yeah and you know previous to this when we talked to, for the first time we talked to Damon It was very much like a full circle moment for me, you know, that being in my early 20s and being part of the soundtrack at that time. But this time is really super full circle because I always remember the first time I heard Mechanical Resonance or I heard uh, Modern Day Cowboys. Sorry, I was 15 or 16 years old. I'm like have posters and stuff just like now um and i i can't remember what i was doing maybe i thought I, for some reason i have a memory i was cleaning my room or doing something maybe i was putting posters up but that was back in the pure days where you know partying on a friday night was being a teenager and listening to metal shop and hanging out and daydreaming in front of my rock posters you know but i always remember hearing that it's like wow man like that totally sound different than anything else and it was so refreshing because hearing their music it wasn't like you know it was. it didn't have that you know guitar tones of like all this digital delay and reverb and whammy bar stuff and echo and all that kind of stuff it was just so more such more of an organic sound and it was the first time that it really showed me like there's this rock element you know that was I guess tying into metal in some way And that was the first thing that kind of shifted my kind of musical paradigm, so to speak, like the first step that kind of got me a little more away from, you know, some of the hairspray and lipstick stuff, you know. Now, granted, we've talked before about the bands that have gotten unnecessarily mixed in there. And of course, Tesla's one and Cinderella and Junkyard and Great White and LA Guns. And so, yeah, I'm like just over the moon that we got to talk to Frank Cannon that's he was
2: on my, you know, he was on my, um, uh, you know, my list of, of top people to talk to. Now, Jimmy Page is also on there, but we got <laughs> to talk to Frank. And it was just amazing, again, because I've loved, like you, love Tesla since so the first time I've heard them. They're still out there playing and sounding great, putting out music. Like they've long surpassed most of their peers and even their peers that had hit higher heights, even in the industry and they're they're killing it and frank absolutely inspired me to play guitar like even on um like love song like the intro love song to learn that classical style of finger picking and when i picked up guitar that was one of the first things i wanted to learn how to, to, to play and, it was, and i learned how to play it and what made me just love guitar and want to play it even more and to this day i still pick up an acoustic guitar like if i go to guitar center somewhere i'll try out the tones of an acoustic guitar by playing a uh, love song and tangerine those are the songs i play just to get that resonance and hear that you know test out the guitar
3: yeah for sure um yeah man and he's as cool as i thought he'd be he's just like one of the coolest guys like charlie super cool like damon like like richard
2: young (laughs) and he you know he didn't really have anything to promote. He was just having fun talking to us and talking about whatever he was so game and so happy to be chatting. Like th- those are always my favorite times when somebody is not being forced to promote something, but being there because they want to want to be there and have a chat.
3: And I, I feel like you got the sense like this, you know, I like to call her, I hate calling these things, interviews, They're chats. Like we're not interviews on yeah. so overly formal. And it's like, this is not an interview. This is a chat.
2: If we have to do like a formal interview, you know, Brian, that's not (laughs) our wheel, that's not our wheelhouse. And it's the episode's not as good as just having a chat.
3: Right. Right. All right. You guys listen to our incredible chat with Frank Cannon from the Frank Cannon band and from Tesla. And he's got a lot of good things. You guys kick back, relax, and listen to this chat with Frank. podcast and Jason gets the pleasure of introducing this guest that we've wanted for a long time and we're just over the moon about this so Jason take it away.
2: Yeah it's somebody we wanted to talk to pretty much since we started the podcast because we're a big fan and then obviously he's got a lot of uh, influences and dealings in the blues and southern rock and there's two people that influenced me to play guitar. One is Jimmy Page and the other is this dude we have on the line with us right now so the first time on the show it's frank hannon what's going on frank
4: hey what's up guys jason uh thank you for the the uh the kudos man wow in the in the category with jimmy page huh that's an
2: honor thank you very much man did i think jimmy page though on like speaking about you he was he said you're the one guy that gets that light and darkness on the guitar the electrical heavy playing and the nice acoustical playing out of kind of all the modern guys did did he not say that about you did he just tell me that in, in private
4: oh wow, wow. <laughs> i talked to jimmy page personally myself so that must be a conversation that you guys had but yeah you know jimmy page is a huge influence as well as many others that we'll talk about today. Um, but uh, on me and my music, in the sense of he's very diverse and experiments with a lot of different influences and styles um, in his playing, his music and his songwriting. And as a producer, um, that has been kind of uh, the path that I've tried to to create as an artist in my uh music production and songwriting and guitar playing um i really admire guitar players that have one great sound as well where it's like their signature voice um but for me i think i'm a late bloomer i was born a little bit late and i i fell in love with all kinds of styles of guitar playing and in the immortal words of Spinal Tap, um changing my style is my style. <laughs> I love all styles of music and I put it all into one big pizza.
3: Right on. Well, uh, first of all, we gotta say Charlie Starr says hi. We just talked to him uh, a week and a half ago or something like that. Um, and also talked to Devin Allman yesterday and uh, we asked him about some guests on this uh uh you know Almond's revival thing that that they do. So your name came up. So That'll be cool.
2: Yeah. Hey, Brian, what's up, man? (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we're talking Uh, to Frank Hannon. Honestly, this is great, Frank. I appreciate you joining us.
4: (laughs) I appreciate being uh, invited to be on your show, man. And the fact that you're uh, really into Southern rock and blues-influenced music, um, that's definitely uh, something that I'm really into. And uh, Charlie Starr and Blackberry Smoke, you know, I, I saw those guys back when they first got together, they were in a van and they were driving all the way out here to California to play, uh, from Georgia in a van back in like 2001. I think it might've been 2002. Is that what you're saying? Or no, oh, no, I'm just know.
2: pointing at Brian. He's got a question. I'm going to let him.
4: <laughs> and I'll, I'll try to keep it short. I can get long winded. Um, those guys had the same soulful sound in the very beginning as they do now. They they are such the real deal, man. Authentic, great guys. I love Blackberry Smoke. I'm really happy for them. They were opening for me and my solo band in like a a place called The Roadhouse that was way out in Del Paso Heights, out in the ghetto. And the fact that they paid their dues uh, so... uh, stoically man and and never broke up you know the four original guys they had that sound even back then and i just love them for that
3: yeah and we know you do your uh you do sunrise in texas and paul jackson call me the breeze was on on uh, uh on your record um also wanted to ask you about uh shooter jennings band stargun once opened for tesla didn't they
4: wow if they did i I, I must have missed that you know because uh, I might have been sleeping on the bus but if i would <laughs> <laughs> I would have ran in there and checked him out um uh I don't remember shooter playing with Tesla but blackberry smoke did um a bunch of times along with jackal and uh in fact it was the jackal guys that introduced me to blackberry smoke even before they were driving in the van all the way to California uh, so i yeah. know so, oh, jesse and those guys in jackal they also love blackberry smoke and uh but i don't remember shooter jennings but i'm a fan of his and hank the third i love him man he's crazy I, I love lucas nelson there's so many great uh i call them younger because they're younger than me but they're not young anymore i mean heck you know dwayne betts is out there kicking ass he's my mm-hmm. brother-in-law and man he's yep. As I'm flying home to Florida tomorrow, he's flying home here to my area in California, and I'm <laughs> going to miss his shows. But uh, he's working his butt off, and he just jammed with Lucas Nelson a couple nights ago, and uh, I'm really happy to see what he's doing. and I, And I'm going to be joining the, them uh, in Florida, Devin Allman and Dwayne Betts and the Almond Betts Family Revival Tour. So yeah, man. Good music is out there. People say rock is dead, but they don't. They don't. Whoever says that, they don't know. Have you listened to
2: our podcast? Our podcast shows all sorts of great bands.
3: Frank, have yeah. you heard the Georgia Thunderbolts? I'm sorry, what? Have you heard the Georgia Thunderbolts?
4: No, um, I should write them down and check them out. Huh? Are they killer?
3: Yeah, they're really well. Richard Young from the Kentucky Headhunters, you know, discovered them and took them under his wing and stuff. So. But they're really good. They kind of remind me remind me a little bit of Tesla. But um, both Charlie and Devin gave us a quick review of Hackney Diamonds. Have you listened? Do you have a, a, a review?
5: Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. Dude, I am sorry to say
4: that I haven't, but I have been getting bombarded with messages from my bros telling me how great it is. And I have no doubt that it's great. Uh, I did hear the the first single that they put out. And uh, I'm going to, uh, after we get done with this podcast, I am going to listen to that album in its entirety.
3: Right on. Well, uh, can we start out with this gem, Moondong Bane, the band you put together, when Tesla was a part. I think this this record would fit in so good with everything that's going on nowadays, you know, with, with, you know, Blackberry Smoke and Whiskey Myers and Georgia Thunderbolts and everybody else that we've mentioned. So this is a great, I mean, and I saw you guys in Grand Forks, North Dakota. I'm in Fargo now, but I remember you guys had a tour bus called the Yellow Sub. And so, no, it was a great <laughs> that, record. You remember the Yellow Sub, huh? Yeah.
4: Man, the driver of that bus was freaking insane can, can, can i say the f word on this sure yeah. please do as please, many times please. as you like that that driver of that yellow bus was fucking nuts <laughs> but he wasn't quite as nuts as the fucking singer i had in moondog Maine. holy shit that guy drove everybody Nick, crazy <laughs> and that's the reason why the bus driver was nuts is because the singer was driving everybody nuts and we were driving down the highway 100 miles an hour because the bus driver was pissed because we were all fighting in that Moondog main band. Well, I'll tell you some stories about it. Um, And he slammed on the brakes and freaking came to a screeching halt on the side of the highway, probably up near you, near Fargo. We were opening for Cinderella or Def Leppard. We had some lucky breaks with that band. And he was trying to throw us all off the bus. <laughs> 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 hearing all the drama and bullshit that was going on that's the reason why that band didn't make more than that one record it was a real heartbreaker for me i invested three years of of work into building that band and there was so much freaking drama going on with all the other members and the singer and ah it was a real letdown because i loved that record and yeah it was a little bit ahead of its time at that point in the 90s southern rock and the style of americana and red dirt music that's real popular now the outlaw country and all that it wasn't really popular at the time but i was loving it because i had just gotten off the road with opening for leonard skinner right before tesla broke up we had done 3 months with leonard skinner and man i was just feeling really inspired to capture that kind of music on 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 an album and you know, the singer in Moondog Maine had a killer voice. Man, yeah. was really good. Yeah. Great singer. So anyway, sorry, you got my heart
2: pumping. because uh, <laughs> Talk about it. That's why you're on, man.
3: Well, that had to have been tough after, you know, you, you know, Tesla breaks up and then you're dealing with similar issues in this band. That's supposed to be your like calming down point.
4: <laughs> Dude, the nineties were some of the toughest years of my life man holy shit i went through a divorce i went through custody battles i lost my band tesla was broke up from all that drama then i spent three years building another band and it was all that drama and plus music had changed it turned into grunge and all this other Mm -hmm. crap and nobody was calling me back i was real depressed I had a job taking trash to the dump again, you know, which I don't mind. I like to work. I'm a hardworking guy. I'll do anything uh, for survival. (laughs) (laughs) But I was uh, working some jobs. I was feeding a wood chipper and, uh, you know, making minimum wage for a while there in the nineties. And, you know, it was a very tough period, but the band uh, Moondog Maine, that album, um, I'm really proud of it. It was really recorded very quickly. Uh, the singer uh, and I met each other at a nightclub here in town, and he came over to my house one weekend, and I had a, a little eight-track recording reel-to-reel studio set up. And we re- we wrote and recorded half of that record in two days. I mean, it was just magic. It was one of those... Experiences where the musical chemistry was 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 really firing, man. It was some chemistry there. Well, let's talk
3: but, about, if we can talk about your solo work, you know, starting from the first one and, and going on through. Or even the last two where you did the covers. You know, Lord of the Thighs with Graham Whitford from Tyler Bright and The Shakedown was fantastic. And we mentioned earlier Paul Jackson on Call Me the Breeze.
4: Thanks, man. You know, I, uh, when I look back over the past 20 years, I think I was going insane, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how in the hell I was juggling everything that we were doing with Tesla and then making all those solo albums and being that busy. Um, I think it goes back to the 90s again. It was such a dark era that it made me really go into hyper work mode and just try to do as much as I possibly could with my time. You know, um, I have an album called Guitars for Mars that's kind of a concept album. Um, I've got an album called Six String Soldiers, which uh, i'm really proud of i worked with these guys in new mexico uh, mike Ariza, he won a guitar contest that i i judged and he brought along this great vocalist jeffrey sandoval and that record i spent a year on and uh my father-in-law happened to be visiting dickie betts and he came in and jammed on one of the songs in my studio here this and uh That opened the door to Pat Travers. When I told Pat Travers that Dickie Betts was playing on my album, then he said, well, heck, he would want a piece of that action. (laughs) And uh, then the next thing I know, Rick Derringer's playing in town, and the club owner knew I was a huge Rick Derringer fan, and Rick came over my house, and I made him dinner, and he played guitar on the record. So that gave me the idea of, wow, man, it's really great to have special guests Artists on your albums. And so fast forward to when I was doing this recent uh, covers album I did. Um, A lot of my friends were really cool. And, and the concept was called from one place to another because I was taking the digital handheld recorder, literally from one place to another on the road. To their houses like ricky ricky nelson's kids matthew and gunner i went to their house with my tape recorder and recorded garden party with them in their house <laughs> <laughs> you know so anyway um, i've been very lucky and very blessed i have some really great friends and uh that's hard to say in this business because people it's a cutthroat it's not there's not a lot of loyalty in music business and everyone's trying to get somewhere. And I feel very grateful to have made the friends that I have in this crazy business and still be doing it over 40 years later.
2: Man, I'm wearing my Tesla 30 shirt on right now from when I saw you guys on your 30th anniversary go around first concert I took my kids to, I think my son was like 12 and my daughter was nine. I'm like, if you're going to see a rock show, we're going and we went to Hobart Arena in Troy, Ohio, and watched you guys play.
4: Oh, Hobart Arena is cool. I love that, man. And that area of Ohio is killer. Yeah, I love it there.
2: Where does where do you so a lot of your solos, so especially the um, the covers and stuff you did, of course you did stuff with your brother-in-law, my my favorite all my brother the blue sky. Uh, a lot of blues, a lot of southern rock. Where do you kind of come into with blues and southern rock, both in kind of in your playing and in your in your listening?
4: Well, um, when I first started playing guitar uh in the 70s when I was about 10 years old, 1975, 76, my mom is really a uh, a hippie uh and she was really young and she would take me out to see blues bands playing. And there was little Charlie and the night cats here in Sacramento. They were the, a great blues band. And, you know, we always had music playing in, in the, in the house, like Credence Clearwater and, you know, Leonard Skinner and the stones and uh that kind of music was just always playing uh in bob dylan and the uh, johnny cash you know country albums hank williams was huge my stepdad loved hank williams and uh so as a young kid i was really exposed to all that early 70s late 60s uh blues country and rock music and then you know Fast forward to being in the 80s in high school, you know, we got into Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Ozzy and Van Halen and all that kind of stuff. But the roots of soulful, bluesy slide guitar music has always been in my soul from the very beginning.
2: Yeah, you know, Sacramento, you wouldn't really think would be a huge scene for blues and southern rock music.
4: No, it really wasn't, but San Francisco and that the is not too far from here. And you know, the, the the San Francisco sound with uh Jefferson Airplane and Hot Tuna and uh Carlos Santana and The Grateful Dead, uh that stuff was really influential on me and Sacramento. Again, where I grew up in South Sacramento was kind of the ghetto and we didn't have video games and all that shit when we were kids. We had bicycles and 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 street fights, you know, (laughs) it was a rough neighborhood. And uh, there was a lot of kids that played music. Uh, Crazy enough, uh, my best friend in elementary school in the fourth grade had a drum set. And his older brothers played guitar. And uh, Brian Wheat, uh, our bass player, he and I have been together since high school. And his yep. older brothers played music. And uh, it seemed like in our neighborhood, if you didn't play music and jam with your older brothers and friends, then you were out getting in trouble. And I had a lot of friends that got in trouble stealing cars and, and doing stupid shit. You know, and uh, so Sacramento wasn't like a a music mecca like Hollywood, but it was definitely a hotbed of musicians that were very talented and and struggling. A lot of struggling musicians. I guess it would be similar to like Leonard Skinner being in Jacksonville. Same kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Not really something you think of uh, for that style of music. So right. Were, were you
3: going to Grateful Dead shows as a youngster or teenage years? Or uh, I had a job working for Bill Graham uh,
4: presents, and it was called the Blue Coat Job, where you wear to, you wore a blue T shirt that said staff on it. And I always got stuck out in the parking lot, so I did wander the parking lot of a Grateful Dead show at Cal Expo back in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I got to work a lot of shows doing that uh, as one of my first jobs, you know, you get paid 20 bucks and you would just basically walk around with a flashlight pretending like you were like an usher or something, you know, mm. at at the fairgrounds here in Sacramento, but uh, Southern rock. Okay. Now my grandma, she was from Arkansas and people say, Hey, how come you got a Southern accent? And I, I don't really have a Southern accent. I have a California, Arkansas accent.
2: (laughs) That's a hell of a combination. (laughs) But my
4: wife, Christy, is from North Carolina and her dad is from Sarasota, Florida. But it's so weird going back to the Moondog main album that you were showing me. There's a song on there that I wrote and I wrote it literally in five minutes. It just came to me like a flash. It's called Sweet Southern Sound.
3: Great song.
4: Thank you. That song is one of those magic songs that came to me. All the words came to me in a heartbeat. I I remember it vividly. I was in my backyard stacking some firewood. And I met a girl in Georgia. Ooh, she turned me on. She loved to play slide guitar sing her favorite songs. Right, it did that lyric came to me, and I'm like, Oh, that sounds cool. So I immediately went in the house and wrote it down. And there's another lyric in there We fell in love going southbound on Highway 41. Dude, this is 10 years before I met my wife, who her dad wrote a song called Southbound mm-hmm. on Highway 41, Rolling, you know, Rambling Man. And I had no idea that I was ever going to meet Christy and that I was going to be married to Dickie Betts' daughter, any of that. I had no idea. It was almost like a premonition, like God was talking to me for a split second going, dude, this is going to (laughs) happen. I literally was writing the song about Leonard Skinner in Southern Rock and and kind of making up a story about a chick that I had met on the road who I never met. It was just a fantasy of yeah. like like me and Bobby McGee you know how that song me and Bobby McGee talks about you know somewhere near Selena's Lord I let her slip away that was the inspiration that I thought was for that song Sweet Southern Sound but then like 10 years later when I was going through a divorce and all this hell and it, I was going through all this stuff and then all of a sudden whammo God you said Here you go. And I introduced me to Christy. And she and I have been married now for 23 years. She's my best friend I've ever had. It was like a premonition. It's so bizarre to me now. And, you know, when I look at that song and I hear that song, Sweet Southern Sound, I had no idea at the time that that was going to (laughs)
3: happen. Isn't that crazy? It It is. I know we're talking mostly about your solo stuff, but does any of the Southern kind of guitar playing, whether it's just kind of appears or uh, intentionally show up on Tesla records, like a song like heaven's trail or to be a man, stuff like that.
4: Oh, definitely. Um, What you give the acoustic, uh, the pick, the picking part that I wrote on that uh, has a twang to it and a, I was experimenting on that song with uh, with bending the strings on a Telecaster to give like a, a country twang. It's, it's on what you give. Um, Mama's fool. Yep. Definitely has a, has a Southern twist to it. Um, Some of the clean picking that I do on the first album on getting better. The intro is I'm using a Telecaster and I'm, picking it kind of clean, like maybe like what Gary Rosington would do on sweet home, Alabama. Um, that kind of guitar playing is always been a color of mine that I love. Um, and it's, it's, it's really just about playing simple and playing from your soul and capturing a mood with some chords and picking the notes, just picking them. And, uh, Doing what we call dynamics, you know, like not playing on ten all the time,
3: but you know, laying back and and
4: putting your soul into it.
3: And you know, call it what you want. Of psychotic supper that you, Pink telly in the video, but that you know, that playing towards the end is really good, cool like that.
4: Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, that's that's another uh, little country southern uh, uh, experiment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always well, experimenting. Well, that's Still, you, Still trying to learn.
2: You used a lot of slide to uh, slide on records when, at the time, a lot of the artists that you were peers of weren't using even slide.
4: Yeah, slide wasn't really a popular thing in the in the late '80s. Um, but uh, I always uh, I got lucky with it and learned kind of how to play it young uh from ronnie montrose um ronnie montrose was in the studio and you know he played slide really well and i asked him this was like when i was like 16 years old and he was coaching us and i asked him what can i do to play better and he told me to play really slow and to like massage it with the slide like and and to he he started describing with his hands like this circular motion which now i know it's vibrato right (laughs) and and the slower the vibrato the better because you know back then i was young and everything was really fast and squirrely and my favorite guitar players uh that play slide uh would be uh gary rosington I mean, you know, the, the slide on Freebird is to me the epic crying guitar. Joe Walsh, uh, the way he plays slide guitar. I love the way he plays slide guitar. I don't like really fast squirrely slide. There's a, and I don't want to name any names, but there's a couple famous slide players that just really play really squirrely. And it makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: just get, get your heart heart rate up.
4: Huh?
2: It just gets your heart rate up when they do it.
4: It makes me nervous, man. You know, <laughs> I prefer slide to be really like slow and scary sounding. Like David Gilmore, the way he plays it, or you know, uh David Lindley or you know even if it's high pitch, like what Dwayne Allman does on Layla, man, I mean, that's just crying guitar, you know, Um, Charlie Starr plays slide. Great. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of the influence. And I play on slide like on heaven's trail, the Tesla song or on sweet Southern sound. I did another version of it on on one of my solo albums. Um, Maybe it was gypsy highway. I'm not sure.
2: You covered "Blue Sky," Almond Brothers tune with your brother-in-law. That song was written about Dickie Bett's wife. Is that, was that your wife's mom or another one? Another lady.
4: That's another lady. Uh, she's okay. the mom of Jessica. My wife's mom is Dale, and Dale was the singer in Dickie's band before the Almond Brothers. They were called "The Second Coming. Hmm. And she could do a mean gray slick. She she's got a great singing voice. Dale does. And she's still alive and well. And uh, she's great. She's awesome. Dale and uh, Joe English is her husband. And Joe English was the drummer in Paul McCartney and Wings. I'm
2: okay. No uh,
4: and he's a great guy. Yeah, if you watch the. Uh, movie that paul mccartney did with wings uh rock show i think it's called there's a wild man on the drums in the back there that's joe english and he's my other father-in-law that's bizarre (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh they're just sweet people man and um i've been very blessed to have uh met christy and been married for this long and uh I just I vibe with 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 the southern culture and the, and the people. It's different, you know. People all over the country are different. It's really true. the The personalities and the cultures are different all over this country of ours. And uh, I connect with people from the south. It seems like.
3: So most of the artists that we talked to like have been in the music business like after 2000 and whatnot. you've spanned both. So it's kind of nice to if I can take the opportunity to ask you, like do you see pros and cons both like when the record industry was huge? Do you see uh, compared to now it was one better than the other? But I always want to know because as consumers, it doesn't really affect us. How has it been for you? what What's your take on that? Well,
4: I tell you, man, I don't know how a young group today uh, can really get discovered, um, except for now with social media and Mm -hmm. everything, they can do it themselves. So on one hand, an artist can be totally independent now and not have to worry about getting a record contract like it was when we first started out. Um, it's it's it definitely a double-edged sword, the way things have changed with technology and uh, the way the music business operates. Um, you know, we don't sell hardly any physical products as far as albums or CDs and any of that stuff. So we don't make a living doing that anymore. But we do make a living playing live and thank Mm -hmm. goodness it's because our songs and people still love to hear us play live and they love to hear the songs that we wrote and thank goodness we had enough smarts beat into us by people that were producing us to always double check and triple check our songwriting and make sure the songs were quality and not cheesy. You know, especially from the 80s, -hmm. the era that we came from, there was a lot of glam and cheesy music. And I feel very grateful that we never had to wear makeup and put on costumes and sing cheesy ass songs, you know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That that Whoa. was what's great about Tesla when you guys came out. It's like, man, these guys look like the guys that are working down at the gas station. You know, you weren't all hey, dolled we were. up and all that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we were those guys.
3: <laughs> um, so, with, like That's back true. in the eighties and nineties, was there a lot of? Pr- it seems like there was there a lot of pressure from you have to sell millions of copies of a record. And we we had Damon Johnson on, and we were talking to him about it, like like Brother Kane and and Cry of Love, like would those but those records, those bands have been more successful now. Now, certainly both Oddly Freed and Damon Johnson have had incredible careers, but was there more pressure, you think, to sell millions of records, you know, and, but without that now, is it better for younger bands or because they don't have to worry about selling that many?
4: Um, There was a lot of pressure um, back then uh, because those companies were investing a lot of money into creating videos like, you know, the modern day cowboy video and the hang tough video and all them videos that we made back then, the record company would spend freaking $200,000 to hire a director and, and the film crew and all this shit to make that video. And so there was pressure for them to recover those expenses. And we never had any overnight successes. We had to tour relentlessly for months and months throughout a year on a record to generate enough sales and markets to, for them to recoup those expenses. So yeah, there was a pressure and if we didn't sell a million copies, they would act like it was a failure. And then, you know, guns and roses would come out and sell 10 million copies in one shot. And then we would get put, you know, knocked down a couple levels on the, priority list <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> it, that's the truth but these days now we're talking about young bands now you can make a video for free and it looks fucking mm-hmm. killer on your cell phone yeah <laughs> you know you a band can produce a video for 300 bucks and not spend two hundred thousand dollars like they were doing back then So it's really all relative, you know, it's, it's all uh, upside down and relative, but I don't think that these particular things have changed. A new band needs to go out there and play clubs and play shows and pay their dues in a van and a new band has to write great songs. If you don't write killer fucking songs, It don't matter. Nothing matters. Tesla would have never made it and whatever bands out there now trying to get going. If you don't write some killer songs, that's all that really
2: matters is the songs. Yeah. And for you guys too, I know we want to talk more about your other stuff, but with Tesla, like the fact that you just talked about 40 years, you guys have done residencies in Vegas your music still resonates with guys like Brian, myself, uh, younger people. Like, it's incredible. Like, you guys have made a 40 year career in this business. And it's not because your songs suck, it's because they're great.
4: Thanks, man. And, uh, you know, I feel very blessed, but at the same time, we worked our asses off back in the day building the foundation of it, opening you know, opening for everybody, man. Alice Mm -hmm. Cooper, great white boys, David Lee Roth, Def Leppard, Scorpions. We were the most, uh, notorious opening band. And you know what, even today, I would still open for any of them in a heartbeat. If the Scorpions called and said, Hey, Tesla can open the show. I'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it. (laughs) And a lot of, Artists will have an ego and say, oh, we're not going to open the show. You know, we're better than that. And that's where they get in trouble is, you know, the ego. And that's where the bands break up. They get drama. The singer and the guitar player have argument and the egos get in the way. It's really difficult to get a band together and keep it together without the ego maniacs ruining
2: it. Yeah, I mean, again, for you guys to last as long as you have, it's just a testament to a lot of things, how good you are, and I guess probably the the brotherhood you have with the guys in the band.
4: We appreciate what we've got so much. Um, I appreciate Jeff Keith, our singer, and Brian Wheat, uh, my partner in crime for 42 years. Um, I appreciate those guys more now than ever. You know, I'm not going to lie. There was times where we took each other for granted, uh, you know, and we broke up for five years in the 90s. And those were some of the hardest times of my life. And so and the rest of the guys will say the same thing. So you got to go through it to get to it. And that's an expression, you know, it, that it's true. You go through some hard times and you realize what you got. So we value uh, what we've got. And we, we hang on to it, that brotherhood. And, you know, yeah, we'll argue and fight and get into some spats over what songs are going to be on the set list and, you know, how many dates, why are we flying to freaking Cornfield, Kentucky when we just left Hollywood? <laughs> you know, we'll get into <laughs> arguments. But at the end of the day,
3: we ain't going to let it break the band up. So just to, uh, you know, in this podcast, we – keep coming around to blackberry smoke but i mean just they're an example and then whiskey myers two of these bands hand built everything and hopefully you know like you said but you got to be great songwriter so as soon as you said that i thought of charlie you know and obviously with you guys having them open for you way back then you've kind of witnessed that you've seen those guys like you know <laughs> go through hell to get to where they're at now
4: Man, imagine the fights those guys have had in that van that I was telling you about 20 (laughs) years
3: ago, you know,
4: but they've stuck it out, man. And yeah, back then they were writing killer songs, you know, Sanctified Woman and, you know, and now they just came out with this new track. uh, Something about being crazy. What's the new song they got? A little bit crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, heck yeah, guys. That's it. Keep delivering the goods.
2: (laughs) Go, on, Brian.
3: <laughs> uh, and also, you know, another band that 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 you know we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for as the Black Crows. And we, I was going to ask people you know, any in the years of Tesla, any uh, crossing paths with those guys, conversations, camaraderie, anything at all, experiences, stories.
4: Oh, yeah, I got some Black Crows stories.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> okay, I'll take it back to the very beginning. And it's the same thing with Guns N' Roses too, kinda. But we were out with our first album in 85, we finished it, it came out in 86. And so we were kinda like maybe just one year ahead of the Black Crows or or Guns N' Roses as far as being out working. Anyway, we were in New York, and we were doing some shows, and uh, the Black Crows were hanging out with their producer, George Traculius, and they were staying at our manager's house and sleep in a brownstone in New York, and they were sleeping on the floor. and we came in there and met the guys, and they were really cool man, and we had pizza. And then we, uh, we jammed at the Ritz, or no, maybe it was in Boston. We were doing the five-man acoustic jam uh, album. And those guys came, and they sat in with us and hung out. I'm talking about the two brothers, mm-hmm. uh, Chris and Rich. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. And then um, we did MTV Unplugged with those guys. And in the back room, we got really stoned, man. We had a bong that we traveled around with and we were passing that bong around and I don't know who was more stoned, the Black Crows or or Tesla. It was crazy smoking. We were smoking out. It was worse than Cheech and Chong. I mean, we made Cheech and Chong look like freaking uh, choir boys. (laughs) And We had a great relationship with those guys. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, it was after we played, they played with Aerosmith or something in Boston and we jammed. Something happened, and I don't know what it is. Somebody got in an argument, I think, in the hotel lobby or something. It wasn't me, so I didn't I didn't have a falling out with them, but somewhere along the lines, we had a falling out with those guys. And Fast forward a couple of years later, we're playing a show opening for the Black Crows, and their security guard freaking wouldn't let us near the near them, near the bus, told us that we had to leave and what? threw us out of the freaking gig. Wow. Yeah. And we're like, hey man, we used to hang out with Chris and Rich. What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. So, I love those guys. I don't know what happened. I hope, you know, there's no bad blood. I don't think there is, but maybe someday we can play together. I sure hope so. Because okay. I think Black Crows and Tesla are very uh, birds of a feather.
2: Absolutely. Perfect. perfect. That's a perfect way to say it. And two guitar bands and all these harmonies and everything else. It's It's a great match. Soulful
3: songs organic guitar sounds yeah
2: well speaking of organic guitar sounds frank and i know we've got to let you go in a second but your transition so from all the stuff at tesla to to your solo stuff even the real to real stuff you did with tesla to the southern rock the blues the Derek and the dominos the zeppelin it's it's perfect like you just seem to have taken to that style of playing naturally thanks buddy
4: you know all it comes from is just listening to albums as a kid And, you know, it was before MTV, it was before cell phones. Um, Like I said, you were either riding a BMX bike or you were listening to music. And uh, after I broke my leg riding a dirt bike when I was 11, all I did was listen to the turntable and and listening to albums from start to finish. And if you listen to all those great albums that we had back then, they had so many different styles of guitar playing on them, you know, especially like Fizzle Graffiti or or even Frampton Comes Alive as a live album. There's a whole side of it that's all acoustic. The Stones albums, you know, Wild Horses, um, Jumpin' Jack Flash, I mean, they're very diverse, and when you learn music that way from listening to albums, I think that's where you develop that uh, that for your own style.
2: Yeah, and I need to find that, Jimmy Page. It was a, an interview with Jimmy Page where he said that about you. Somebody had asked about, hey, like what guitar players do you think? And he, he mentioned you because, again, the, the dark and the light, like he always talked about, you had the light acoustic. And then in the heavy riffing on the electric stuff. And it's, it's true. Like you just, you can, you can do it all.
4: Well, gosh, thank you, man. Um, I appreciate that. And I'm really flabbergasted that Jimmy Page would even mention my name in any breath. So um, yeah, if you find it, uh, please uh, forward it to me or something. Cause I'll tell you a funny story. I just got an email yesterday I made it on the top 25 lists of guitar players in the Reader's Poll of Poland.
2: <laughs> All right, Poland? go Poland. <laughs> Poland,
4: power to the Polish people. <laughs>
2: hey, man. They have uh, one of the best education systems in the world for their students, so they're smart. <laughs> uh, it's crazy.
4: Yeah, my publicist just sent me uh, a link, and I'm like, I don't know, number 15 or something on the top 25 readers poll in poland and i said well great who needs rolling stone man i got the <laughs> Polish people on my back
2: those rolling stones lists are i think they're there for the controversy because again there's people like you and a lot of your peers who are killer guitarists who played forever that can and like you just you don't get enough recognition somebody like charlie star doesn't get enough recognition it's it's terrible well mark yeah. ford doesn't get recognition who played with the crows and all these other guys in burning tree you know yeah
4: i know man there's a lot of guitar players out there and you know those lists it's it, it could be a pitfall as a musician i i have this conversation with a couple friends the unfortunate psychological thing that goes along with what we do is especially now with social media, the freaking button is called like, you know, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're striving to get liked. And it's like, that can really fuck with your head, man. You know, um, if you're trying to be popular, it's like a fucking popularity contest. And it goes hand in hand with being a musician. It's just part of it. You know, how many tickets are you selling? How many, uh, how many likes did you get? And it can really uh, be a, a pitfall mentally. So I try not to think about that shit too much and just continue to, to play music that I like and, and be creative and be grateful.
2: For sure. I think it's a great, healthy way of thinking about it. So what what's up for you, I mean, what's going on with you right now?
4: Well, I've been riding the roller coaster, man. Tesla has been busier than ever this year, uh touring. We did put out a uh live album. We wrote a couple new songs. One was called Time to Rock. The other one was called Cold Blue Steel.
2: That's a that's a hell of a rock song, man. That is so good. Thank you.
4: Uh
2: and
4: I'm currently working on some some music here in my studio. Here, let me push play. Here, he'll give you a little. Do it. Let me. I'll, I'll have to rewind it. But I'm I'm writing some new songs. I did a remake of a Gary Wright song that I uh, I'm gonna release. And I'm very proud of it. He passed away this year, so I did a little tribute to him. Um, I've got some songs that I've been chipping away at for a couple of years on my home studio setup but haven't been able to finish so I'm trying to finish those
2: are you doing Uh, any solo solo dates too because I know I think earlier this year I'm in Ohio you came I think you were playing with Firehouse or something but it was just you
4: yes sir I did an acoustic uh solo show and um I'm not doing too much of that really right now to be honest um i'm trying to dedicate time in florida with my family and be there at this time Mm -hmm. uh over the holidays i just turned down an offer to do a christmas show uh so i don't have a solo band currently i am jamming with some guys in florida because I'm back and forth between Florida and California right now because of family and stuff that we're we're doing there that uh, it's real personal. I don't want to get sure. too heavily into what it is, but we're there in Florida and I'm in a transitional period between I'm, where I'm talking to you from now, which is my studio in California. I'm only here for two days, so I'm trying to cram, trying to finish these songs in the studio but they're not going to get done. I'm not going to be able to. I'm flying back to Florida. The thing that's on the horizon that I'm very excited about is the Almond Betts family revival. Right now, I'm doing three shows with them as a special guest, and it's the Jacksonville, Sarasota, and Fort Pierce shows. And maybe if I talk to Devin, we might add a couple more i'd really like to do saint charles uh in chicago because i got a lot of friends there and i'd love to play the show with them there but for right now i'm very grateful to be on the three florida dates with the almond bets family revival
2: i need to see that brian like that would be i love the almond brothers band and i love tesla like that would just be incredible
3: well, hey, you got your parents in Florida, man. There you I, go.
2: I know, I know. My parents are in Dunedin. They're up, they're up just north of Clearwater, so it's kind of close to Sarasota and all that down there.
4: Oh, you got your family's there too?
2: Yeah, yeah. They're in, they're in Dunedin, so they're directly west of Tampa, north of Clearwater, right there.
4: I know right where that is. Yeah, my dad lives there, and uh, it's called Crystal, Crystal Beach.
2: Yep. Yep. Down in that area, I'm flying there Saturday to see my dad. It's his birthday, and then we're gonna go see a Blackberry Smoke Show Saturday night. <laughs> oh, where are they playing? Uh, Saint, Saint Pete, Saint Pete Janus uh, Landing, yeah. Um, I don't know whether I have to look up the venue, it's an outdoor space somewhere in Saint Pete, um, Saint Petersburg. So
4: I think it's called Janice Landing, and uh, heck, I might have to come, I might have to meet you there, Jason.
2: Let's do it. I'll give you my number. You can let me know if you're coming, I'll save you a spot. <laughs> That sounds great.
4: I, yeah, I'm flying back tomorrow morning. I'm going to be in Florida, and I'm going to be there over this weekend. And I forgot Blackberry Smoke is playing at Janice
2: Landing. That's right. Charlie, I got us sucked up with tickets. You can be one of my plus ones, man.
4: Awesome. Well,
2: I'm hoping I can do that.
4: That's on Saturday, and I have to check with the family and see if I'm uh, needed for anything. And if not, then I will definitely – love to come up and see you
2: guys I'm looking it up making sure that Janice landing it's, it's somewhere all right Brian what else you got but Frank forgot it we got to release him to the wild to get this the studio stuff done
3: uh, where do we go where do we send our listeners to find everything that's going on about you Frank and Tesla and the Allman family revival well you
4: know everything is on social media it seems like instagram is uh the big one it seems like i haven't done twitter or tiktok i keep getting told by the younger friends of mine that are musicians these kids there's like you got to do tiktok you got to do tiktok but then i get told that it's owned by the chinese government and they're going to steal all your information (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so (laughs) i have not dove into that realm i don't really think i want to but instagram frank hannon official and everyone please just go with the one that has the blue check mark because there's a lot of scammers out there that are like trying to hustle people using my name and i just saw ricky medlock make a post about it it's really frustrating a lot of these scam artists are using musicians to try to hustle people
2: yeah Yeah. frank
4: hannon tesla the band uh frank hannon uh, music uh, facebook and there's a frank and i am going to be i do have something pretty different that i'm going to offer for the holidays I'm, I'm working on is i went crystal mining up in arkansas at a couple of days off and i went to a mine and i dug in the dirt and i found these really beautiful quartz rocks and i took my guitar strings and i made them into necklaces And I'm going to offer for sale on my website, maybe a limited number, maybe 10 of them only, maybe 20 at the max of these guitar strings slash quartz crystal pendants that I'm going to do one time. And uh, that's something I'm going to do. And that'll be on (laughs)
2: www.frankhannon.com. Brian, I know what I'm asking for for Christmas.
3: (laughs) There you go. Well, Frank, thank you so much for coming on. It means a lot to us, man. And I'll always remember being 15 or 16 years old, cleaning my bedroom, and here in uh, Modern Day Cowboy for the first time, there was a, a, a syndicated radio show called Metal Shop. I think it was on there. And I'm just like, what is this? I was blown away. So see things come full circle and be able to talk to you is just means so much to me and Jason, too. So thank you so much. And anytime you want to come back, we'll have you in a, in a second, man. So thank you so much.
4: Right on. I remember Metal Shop. <laughs> the only
3: show
2: with teeth.
4: <laughs> yeah, I loved it, man. I loved that show. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Coburn had one called Rock Line. You remember that show? Yeah, yeah.
2: I remember that one.
4: Yeah. Those were the days, man. We're lucky that we uh that we all got to grow up in that era, uh, when it was all so brand new and exciting, you know. Um, and thanks for the kudos, guys. I, I appreciate the support and uh I hope we covered everything, man. I know I can get long winded because I get really excited to uh to talk about stuff and hopefully I didn't talk too much.
2: No, we want our guests to talk, and like we'll keep you on here for two hours if you got the time, man. <laughs> you just have to come back. You have to come back. That's all.
4: Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll tell you what, when I released my new uh singles or whatever, um, we'll get in touch. How did we get in touch this time? Who did you guys contact?
2: Um yeah.
4: Shauna. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I believe that Andrew Daly from Guitar World and stuff, who's a friend of ours, also helped at least tell Shauna that we were okay people.
4: All right. Well, heck. Um, Jason, uh, uh, hopefully I'll see you Saturday night at the Blackberry Smoke Show.
2: It's, it is at Janice Live. I just checked. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Great venue, man. And uh,
4: I'm hoping I can make it, but again like i'm really trying to dedicate my time to to family at this particular time and uh i'm not sure if i'm going to be able to get away on saturday but i if i can i will definitely come to see blackberry smoke and uh and shake your hand man
3: i'm pinching myself did that just happen
2: i you know it was surreal like the guys there in front of us talking And like one of my true guitar heroes. Like, it's like when we talked to Charlie Starr the first time, it's like you just respect and love what these people do so much. It's like you feel like it's an out of body experience.
3: Yeah. It's the same thing with when I said about Charlie, too. It's like, you know, we're musicians talking to this musician. We're talking musicians talking music. I was like, what? Frank Cannon is here, too?
2: (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) We're just talking. He's, you know, showing us talking about a studio, all this stuff. Like, he was just so open, too, of like, Everything, even when Tesla was going on, the fact that he had to pick up regular jobs and where they're at now, and all the the family stuff with the the pets, like it's just super cool. And I just, man, I just thoroughly enjoyed it.
3: Yes, and uh, the uh, story was great. At, you know, MTV unplugged. They did their <laughs> episode the same day as the Black Crows, and they had a quote unquote huge bong that Tesla traveled with.
2: And they none, all none to our not it. to
3: our surprise.
2: And they did know who was the most high, which is, which is really, which is really funny, you know, and just, again, these guys being candid and honest and talking, And um, I just, I just love it. Brian, I mean, what did, kind of, what did you pick up on? Like, what did you like from the conversation?
3: Oh, what didn't I like? Uh, you know, it kind of surprised, like the, when he was talking about, you know, the singer for Moondog Maine being kind of difficult and yeah. whatever. And I'm like, did that dude realize he's in Frank's band?
2: And we talked to him after the call was over for like what ten yeah. more minutes, talking stuff. And he gave us some real details on some things. And he was nice enough to, uh, I think, let us contact him, you know, outside the podcast. And just, just a good guy. Loves what he does. Loves music. Loves talking music. And just, I. I know the chances are probably small, Brian, but I hope he shows up to that blackberry smoke and, and St. <laughs> Pete, cool. I get to, get get to say hey to him and Charlie. It would be a dream come true.
3: That would be very cool. Very cool. We, you know, if we could get the list, you on a guitar special with whoever else. Um,
2: <laughs> I think we we might have. I don't know what else we what would we do to top that.
3: I don't know. I don't know if we could. We probably could, but probably couldn't.
2: Well, what would be, I know this is the end and we don't want to draw it out, but the one guest that if you got this guest, like, you'd be like, I'm done. There's nothing, like, what else am I going to do?
3: I don't know, because honestly, like, even if we could do it, I, like, I, I, I don't know if I, like, even have any interest in talking to Chris and Rich. I don't know yeah. what I would talk to him about. Um. I,
2: they would be unlike Frank. I think they would be there to promote and do their duty, but not have fun talking. Unlike yeah. Frank, who was just there to have a good time.
3: Yeah. So someone there to just have a good time. I mean, it's like we have talked to Charlie and talked to Damon and talked to Frank. And I'm there's I'm sure there's some. I'm Mike Campbell, probably from. Okay. Mike Campbell. The well, Jr. you have just homework. Just the, for the next
2: podcast. <laughs> you come to the next podcast ready to answer this question okay oh (laughs) sure Follow back up on it sure think about it but you know what i mean i will i would i would say jimmy page if we had jimmy page on i'd be like brian i'm done there's not there's nothing else we could possibly do on this podcast that's going to top that
3: well i don't think we can break out the ouija board and have a seance and get tom petty on here um
2: (laughs) but i'll think about this
3: i'll think about this all right you guys while i think about that always remember southern rock is reverent blues is blood we'll see you next time
1: The players us like a guitar and sing her favorite songs We fell in love going southbound on Highway 41 and Then we stopped for the night and, Lord, she was gone Sweet, sweet southern sound Won't you come back
0: around? Sweet,